Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Uh, Shout out to the NBA for keeping everything relatively quiet on the last weekend before the season kicks off so I could make good on my promise to run through all the win totals for every team in the league and whether you should expect a particular team to go over or under that win total. Yes, we had the Giannis Antetokounmpo news that he is signing a three-year extension. If you want to know why he's doing that now, when he could have signed for a heftier contract by signing that extension a year from now, go check out foxsports.com. I've got a piece up on the site and on the app that will explain exactly why he did it now. But other than that, things have been fairly quiet. So, I actually pulled it off. I've got advice on whether to take the over or the under on every single NBA team. A few general observations before we get started. The league has become homogenized. The separation between the top teams and the bottom dwellers, at least record-wise, I would say the way they play as well, but uh, record-wise, competition-wise, it has shrunk. Now, credit the bottom being lifted by the introduction of the play-in tournament as part of the bubble in 2020 and the excited reaction of Timberwolves fans when their seventh-seeded team beat the eighth-seeded Clippers to make the playoffs in 2022. You can call Patrick Beverly's histrionic silly all you want, but the new ownership of the Timberwolves saw it as real and revenue-producing. It's always about the money. The quest for 60-plus wins also has been muted. Credit that to teams favoring their team being healthy over home court advantage. The reduction of cakewalk games with fewer teams outright tanking, thanks again to the play-in tournament, and a history of the team with the best record not winning the title. Last season, the Bucks had the best record and didn't get out of the first round. 
the Nuggets, with the fourth best record, took the crown. Two years ago, the Suns were a 64-win team, best in the league. The Warriors, tied for the third best record with 11 fewer wins, came out on top, beating the Celtics, who had the fifth best record in the league. In 2021, the Utah Jazz had the best record and did not get out of the second round, while the Bucks, sporting the seventh best regular season record, hoisted the championship trophy. Point being, as a general rule with the bottom rung teams, it's probably smarter to take the over, and with the very top teams, it's smarter to take the under, depending on where the lines are sent, set. The one element we don't know about is the new emphasis on curbing the load management of stars. Is that going to result in more wins for the star-laden teams? I'm inclined to think not, but we shall see. All right, let's take these in alphabetical order, starting with the Atlanta Hawks. Their line is now set at 41.5 wins, down from 42.5 when the first lines were set at the end of July. This is a team trending in the wrong direction, from 10 games over 500 to 4 games over 500 to being a perfectly mediocre 500 last season. They made no additions that would suggest they're going to break that slide. Take the under. The Boston Celtics. A line is set at 55 and a half, which is up a game from the line in July. Feels like the odds makers are still being cautious. Boston won 57 games last year. They replaced Marcus Smart and Grant Williams with Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. Those are upgrades. Joe Mazzulla, the head coach, is going to be going into his second year. He should be better. Yes, they also lost Robert Williams, which thins their front line. It was already thin most of the regular season because Williams played only 35 games. Take the over. Brooklyn Nets. Line is set 37 and a half and has not moved since July. Last year's 45 win season is impossible to decipher because of the massive transformation of the roster at the trade deadline. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both getting shipped out for solid but less star-laden talent led by Mikhail Bridges. Except for this aspect of the record. The Nets were 34 and 24 at the trade deadline. They went 11 and 13 the rest of the way. That's a 450 winning percentage, which translates to 38 wins for an 82 game season. I have to believe with a full off season, the apparent return to health of Ben Simmons, a quiet but nice free agent signing like Lonnie Walker, and the trade acquisition of a solid vet in Royce O'Neal that the Nets are going to be better, not worse, than they were at the end of last season after the trade line. Take the over. Charlotte Hornets, line is set at 31.5, up a half game from July. I have no idea why. They won 27 games last year. They waived Kai Jones, the first-round pick they acquired from the Knicks two years ago when he demanded a trade. And their latest first-round pick, Brandon Miller, has a wrongful death suit against him from his Alabama days. And LaMelo Ball and Steve Clifford are still an ill-fitting star and head coach tandem. Oh, and Michael Jordan has left the building. Take the under. Chicago Bulls. Line is set at 37.5, up one since July. 
Full admission, I have a soft spot for the Bulls. Always have. Has as much to do with my affection for Chicago as a city as it does the organization and the players and people I've come to know there. I would like to see them relevant again. That's a big leap from where they are, but they've had a year to come to terms with Lonzo Ball being out. Free agent pickup Javon Carter will help on that front. A healthy Alex Caruso should as well. The Bulls should once again flirt with a 500 record and a spot in the play-in tournament. So take the over. Cleveland Cavaliers. The line is 51 and a half. One game up from July. They won 51 games last year. In response to getting physically punked by the Knicks in the postseason, they added Georgie Niang from the Sixers, Max Struess from the Heat, and they brought back old warhorse Tristan Thompson. I can also see them being eager to snare a higher seed to play an easier first-round opponent. So, I'd go with the over. Dallas Mavericks. Line is at 43.5, which is down a game since the first lines were set in July. That's not a good sign. I'm not a believer in the Luka Doncic-Kyrie Irving combination, not even as an imposing regular season one. They unloaded a lot of soft, inconsistent players, Christian Wood and Davies Bertans at the top of the list, and brought in Trent Tucker Jr., a.k.a. Grant Williams. Is that enough to believe the season-ending 7-15 and 15 swoon was not a reflection of a defense that was already subpar becoming significantly worse? Or that Grant Williams is going to make it significantly better? I'm nervous about any team that relied on free throws last season as well because I believe the NBA is going to tilt the game back to being more physical after Team USA got bullied in the World Cup. The Mavs were 7th in free throw attempts last season. Take the under. The defending champion Denver Nuggets. The line for the defending champs is 52 and a half, down a game since July. They won 53 games last year. If any team is going to value having home court, it's the Nuggets with their mile-high altitude. Throw in Mike Malone's never-let-up attitude, and I see them at least matching last season's record. Take the over. Detroit Pistons. Their line is 27 and a half, up a half game from July, now the same as it was at the start of last season when they won 17 games. They are still very much a mixed bag, but I heard rave reviews about what Cade Cunningham, who missed most of last season, did against Team USA in scrimmages. The Pistons didn't make Monty Williams one of the highest paid coaches in the league for slow growth take the over. The Golden State Warriors. The line is at 47 and a half, which is down a game from July. They won 44 games last year. That's with the Jordan Poole Draymond Green cloud hanging over them, Andrew Wiggins playing 35 games, and Steph Curry playing 56. Poole is gone. Wiggins is back. Jonathan Kaminga looks ready to contribute, and Chris Paul will keep the fire lit. Take the over. Houston Rockets. The line, 31 and a half, has not moved since July. They need the additions of Ime Odoka as coach and veterans Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks to deliver 10 more wins than last season. That's a lot. They could claim improvement without getting there. 
I don't think they will. Take the under. Indiana Pacers. The line, 38.5, is up a game from July. Check out my piece on them for Fox Bet. I took them as one of the best over-under win total wagers to make going with the over. Rick Carlisle teams always improve over the first three years of his tenure. I mean always. They won 35 games last season and added Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown. And I can't see how their young talent, Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin, don't get notably better. Take the over. The Los Angeles Clippers. The line, 46 and a half, has not moved since July. We all know the story by now. If healthy, they're one of the most dangerous teams in the league. Let's face it, they're never healthy. I rode that wagon for the last three years. I am officially getting off. I like what Russell Westbrook did for them at the end of last season, and I expect he'll continue to be a plus. But I have no confidence in Kawhi Leonard or Paul George being available more than the 50-some games they were last season, and the season before that, and the season before that. There's a reason they haven't closed the door on acquiring James Harden. They also lost some valuable role players in Eric Gordon and Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard over the course of the last six months via trade or free agency. Take the under or hang fire and wait to see what happens with the Harden saga. Los Angeles Lakers. Line has been 47 and a half since July. I can't stop thinking about the fact that LeBron James will be 39 and is still their best option to close a game. I know everybody is hyped about how different they were after the trade deadline when they acquired Rui Hachimura and D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley. The fact remains, Anthony Davis and LeBron James aren't that far from Kawhi and PG as far as being unavailable for long stretches. I still don't see how they can fully utilize their front-line additions, Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes, and still have AD and LeBron on the floor. They won 43 games last year. I could see them jumping to 45 if all goes well, which means take the under. Memphis Grizzlies. The line is 45 and a half down a game from July. Only a game. I'm surprised it isn't more with the news that Steven Adams is having season-ending knee surgery, Brandon Clark won't be ready to start the season, and of course, John Morant is going to miss the first 25 games with a suspension, the result of uncurbed knucklehead behavior last season. Now, I believe Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose can hold down the fort for Ja, but Adams was far and away their best rebounder, and Clark, one of their best defenders. With Jaron Jackson Jr. unable to stay out of foul trouble, whether it's the NBA or FIBA, they're going to have very little interior defense a good part of the time. Take the under. Miami Heat. The line is 44.5. Talk about a course correction. It was 48.5 in July when expectations were they would be getting Damian Lillard. Instead, they lost two starters, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, to free agency. Victor Oladipo, who gave them some quality regular season minutes, is gone as well. The thinking is that some unknowns will emerge through the heat development process, much as Struess and Vincent and Caleb Martin did. That's banking on a wish. Jimmy Butler has been notorious since going to Miami for easing his way through the regular season. They are a winning team and a mentally tough team. 
but they're not a wildly talented team. Take the under. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Milwaukee Bucks. The line is 54 and a half, up two games from July. The Damian Lillard bounce. I'm on record as believing that while Dame gives them something they needed, as in a consistent go-to clutch score, their defense is going to be impacted greatly by the loss of Drew Holiday. This was the oldest team in the league last year and is second oldest this year. I'm all for experience, but it would appear they're banking a lot on Marjan Beauchamp and uh, being a factor and Chris Middleton being healthy. Take the under. Minnesota Timberwolves. This line is 44 and a half, unchanged since July. I was all for the T-Wolves getting Mike Conley and moving D'Angelo Russell, and I'm still on board with that change. But the T-Wolves have painted themselves into a corner. Or rather, they've painted Anthony Edwards into a corner with the acquisition of Rudy Gobert, the big center who isn't a threat to score outside three feet and is at best a serviceable passer. Shake McMilton, their free agent addition, doesn't move the needle for me. Neither does Carl Anthony Towns playing more than 20 games, seeing as they were 15 and 14 when he did play. Take the under. New Orleans Pelicans. Line is unchanged since July, sitting at 44 and a half. They won 42 games last season with Zion Williamson playing 29. The Pels going 17 and 12 with him on the floor, 25 and 28 without him. It's crazy that he's only 23 years old, and we have no idea if his, if his body will hold up for more than 50 games, and if it does, that we would be pleasantly surprised. Now, he appears to be in relatively good shape, and he's made some adjustments that could protect his health in the way he's attacking the basket. I talked about that in a previous episode. I don't have a lot of high expectations for the Pelicans as a playoff team, or actually even as a play-in team. But getting to 45 wins if Zion is available for even just 40 games seems reasonable. Take the over. The New York Knicks. The line is at 45 and a half, which is up a game since July. They won 47 games last season, and I don't know why the expectation is that the number would go down. Obi Toppin is in Indiana, but he wasn't playing much anyway. Their defense was un-Tom Thibodeau-like, but free agent Dante DiVincenzo should help with that. 
Tibbs is certainly not going to back off chasing as many wins as he can, regardless of its impact on his roster. He's just wired that way. Take the over. Oklahoma City Thunder. Line is up a half game since July, rising to 44 and a half. That still feels low. They opened last season with a 26 and a half win line and blew past it with 40 wins. And that's without Chet Holmgren the entire season. Everything about them feels like a 48 to 50 win team. They're young, granted, but they've got experienced young players or players that play with a maturity beyond their years, like Aussie, Josh Giddy, and the entire Canadian backcourt, Shea Gilgis Alexander and Lou Dort. Take the over. Orlando Magic. The line is at 37.5, up from 36.5 in July. Here's why I'm not as high on the Magic as I am on the Pacers or Thunder. They don't have a point guard who can run the show. No offense, Markel Fultz. Paolo Bancaro does a nice job of being a playmaking point forward, and that might be enough if they had a floor spacing contingent around him. But they are a bottom five three-point shooting team in efficiency and production and a mediocre defensive team. Is a four-game improvement over last year's 34 wins too much to ask? Yes, yes it is. Take the under. The Philadelphia 76ers. The line is 48 and a half, down a game from July. Either the odds makers have a lot of confidence in Joel Embiid carrying the Sixers without James Harden, the same way Embiid did without Ben Simmons, or in team president Daryl Morey getting something worthwhile in return for dealing Harden, or they see Harden getting back on board. That's the only explanation I have for the line only dropping one game. The first one, Embiid carrying the team without Harden available, seems the most likely scenario. And it's worth noting that the Sixers won 51 games the season that he played without Ben Simmons. Yes, Harden arrived for the last 25 games or so, but Embiid had them at 35-23 and 23 before Harden ever played a minute for Philadelphia. Take the over. The Phoenix Suns. The line is at 51.5, down from 52.5 in July. I find that curious. Do the oddsmakers have that much high regard for DeAndre Ayton, who's now in Portland? In any case, I'm taking the over. I like what they've put together, and I have to believe new owner Matt Ishbia wants them winning every game they can so they can have as many home playoff games as possible. Cha-ching. As I said, take the over. Portland Trailblazers. The line is 28 and a half. I talked about this in the previous episode. The loss of Lillard is being vastly overrated, in my opinion. It's not that he wasn't the heart of the team. It's that he's been replaced by a lot of solid, solid pieces. There's Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, along with number three pick Scoot Henderson. And I don't even need to mention Anthony Simons and what he's capable of. They won 33 games last season. I've got them still getting to at least 30. Take the over. The Sacramento Kings. The line is 44 and a half and hasn't moved. 
The Kings won 48 games last season and grew up a lot facing the Warriors in the first round. The oddsmakers are treating all of that like a fluke. I am not. There's no reason they can't flirt with 50 wins again. Take the over. San Antonio Spurs. The line is 29 and a half, up a game from July. I appreciate actually that the oddsmakers aren't overreacting to Victor Wimbanyama and adding and pushing this thing into the 30s. Yes, he appears to be the real deal. But if you look at the rest of that roster and believe the whispers that the Spurs aren't going to overwork Victor, being challenged to break 30 wins seems legit. A Wemby-less team last year won 22 games, 14 of them before Jacob Pertle was shipped off to Toronto. No one knows how to push a team and still find a way to lose a game without his players feeling as if it was on purpose better than coach Greg Popovich. As much as I expect Wemby to be a force in the league sooner rather than later, there's nothing gained by the Spurs in winning 30 plus games. There is in taking another big swing in the draft lottery to find a running mate for Wemby. Take the under. Toronto Raptors. The line is at 36.5 and and has not moved. Largely because the Raptors haven't made any moves. Fred Van Vliet is in Houston. Pascal Siakam is still there but has been alienated. There's no way to know what kind of impact their Euro coach, first-year Euro coach, Darko Ryakovic, is going to have. I'm not even sure they're committed to winning this season. It feels as if the reset button is being hit. In which case, take the under. The Utah Jazz. The line is 35 and a half, which has not moved. It's also a suggestion that the Jazz aren't going to build on last year's 37 wins. Colin Sexton is a backup point guard, presumably stepping into the starting spot, which is reason for concern. But Their front line is talented and deep, and that's going to present a wrinkle that very few teams can present. Take the over. And finally, the Washington Wizards. The line is set at 24.5, by far the lowest line of any team in the league, for good reason. We saved the worst for last. I can't imagine a team more difficult to keep on the grind than one with Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma as two of its best players. I feel for Tyus Jones trying to be a floor general with those guys. I don't know if the Hornets or the Wizards will have the worst record in the league, but it will be one of them. Take the under. All right, that does it for the season preview on On the Ball on the WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to have the opening games and finally get a look at what the Warriors are with Chris Paul, what the Lakers are, obviously, with uh, this whole contingent coming back and a training camp and offseason together. We're going to get a chance to see the Suns. We get to see everybody. I will be giving you first impressions in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.